What if one of the most influential atheists changed his mind and now believes in God? That's exactly what has happened. This is Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukarin. I'm Kevin Harris. Pat Zukarin is a scholar, author, speaker, and Christian apologist who travels the world defending the faith and presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, an interview with a man who has written the biography of Antony Flew, one of the most influential atheists who is no longer an atheist. This is going to be fascinating. You can get the entire series when you go to evidenceandanswers.org. That and other resources at evidenceandanswers.org. Pat? Yes, thanks, Kevin. Can you reason with an atheist? Does evidence and reason lead anyone to belief in God? Is there any hope for atheists coming to the knowledge of God? Well, there's a recent book out that will really encourage you. One of the leading atheists, one of the giants in the world of philosophy, has now acknowledged that God does exist. And the man who wrote the official biography on Anthony Flew is sitting with us here, Mr. Roy Varghese. He's the co-author with Anthony Flew on this new book, There Is a God, How the World's Most Notorious Atheists Changed His Mind. Well, Roy, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Pat. This is a very significant book because Anthony Flew is a very significant figure of our time. So briefly, for those who weren't here last week, tell us about Anthony Flew and why he's such a significant figure of our time. Sure. uh, Anthony Flew is um, especially known in the world of philosophy for his spirited defense of atheism. He, and I believe in the last century probably, he has written the most uh, comprehensive, systematic, original innovative defense of atheism um, uh, that's out there. I mean, and he developed new arguments for an atheistic positions, whereas before that, all you had were criticisms of, um, of the arguments for God's existence. Now, given this, given the fact that he was the most influential exponent of atheism, the fact that he changed his mind and now believes in God, that's got to get anybody thinking. You know, we talked last week about how C.S. Lewis, if he suddenly says there is a God, that would be news. And of course, he wouldn't get any negative media if he did that. But if you're an atheist who changes, it's a different story. Yes. Now, you've written this great book here, the official biography of Anthony Flew, chronicling his journey into atheism and then into theism. Now, of course, the atheists aren't going to take it sitting down. They've launched a lot of criticism against this book here. Now, a story in the New York Times alleged that Flew did not write the book. In fact, the atheist author Richard Dawkins said that the manipulation of this old man is, quote, disgraceful. What are your comments, and what does Flew think of these allegations? Well, first let me read Flew's statement about this, officially released through our publisher. And he's no great fan of Richard Dawkins, by the way, so I discussed Dawkins with him and you know, he was not pleased to hear Dawkins' comment. But at any rate, this is what Flew said. This was publicly released in Publishers Weekly. Uh, my name is on, this is Tony Flew speaking. My name is on the book and it represents exactly my opinions. I would not have a book issued in my name that I do not 100% agree with. I needed someone to do the actual writing because I'm 84. And that was Roy Varghese's role. The idea that someone manipulated me because I'm old is exactly wrong. I may be old, but it's hard to manipulate me, close quotes. Well, in addition to Flew's own statement here and in other forums about his the, the fact that the book represents his views, um, there's two other things I want to say. There is 
there is multiple attestation of flu's substantive comments on the issues discussed in the book. In other words, flu has made these statements. There's about 24 pages in the book which has his substantive comments on God's existence. Now, all of the material there, he has actually said the same things in numerous other forums, such as on a broadcast interview, nationally broadcast interview on the British Broadcasting Corporation, BBC. And he has said that in other interviews for publications. Uh, Lee Strobel had an interview with him, video interview. Um, I'm holding here a DVD with an, you know, with Flo's statements, uh, has science discovered God? So all of these have been said by him in other forums. So that's number two. I mean, it, he said this, it's, he's there in living color saying all this stuff. So it's hard to say that, well, he didn't, you know, come up with these statements. Well, he did. Uh, and then he said that uh, I've mentioned before that as far back as 2001, uh, he had written a, a review of the rediscovery of wisdom by David Conway, where he made some of these key assertions far back, as far back as then. Um, at that time, nobody had any complaint about his being manipulated since he was still an atheist, technically. Um, and then um, there is also the fact that we had 10 versions of the manuscript, um, much of which, ha- uh, I mean, Tony had written all, you know, a, a lot of the stuff in that I've got versions of the ma- uh, copies of the manuscript with his handwriting. Like, f- yeah, also, right I have right, right here in front right of me. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I have. As a, a document from him with the three major um, uh, statements on the book uh, or statements on God's existence in his writing, you know, um, and and saying here that the things which have led him to change his mind on God's existence is first the origin of the laws of nature, second origin of life, and third the cosmological argument as it relates to contemporary studies on the origin of the universe. These three things uh, have been. The, the, he calls them uh, the f- new, the fresh evidence that has led him to change his mind. Right, and these were rational reasons for believing in a God. This wasn't an emotional reason or that maybe he wanted to go back to the faith of his father or something. These are rational reasons that he studied and came to on purely reasonable grounds. Which leads me to another point. Now, if it was Tony Flew, uh, if somebody had manipulated, some such as me, <laughs> had manipulated mm-hmm. Tony Flew into writing uh, something which fits some other agenda, you would have him coming out as a flamethrowing Christian or something like that. Instead, you see in the book, he holds fast to his current position of being a deist, which means he doesn't believe in any divine revelation or divine intervention. He's not a Christian. He doesn't believe in a life after death. All these positions are in the book. I mean, there's nothing there in the book which he hasn't said in other forums. Uh, however, it is it is assembled together in a, in a way which gives a chronological sequence as well as laying out all of the all of the reasons he's already laid out in other forums in a in a complete uh, book. Yes, and you just mentioned something briefly. Uh, one of the other criticisms is that, well, as uh, he's gotten older, he's gotten afraid of death and about what's going to happen beyond the grave. But you just mentioned he doesn't believe in life after death. Yes, in fact, uh, no less uh, 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 a famous thinker than Jay Leno said that uh, the reason that Tony's changed his mind is, you know, he's getting older. <laughs> but nothing could be the further than from the truth, given that uh, given that Tony has spent a lot of energy trying to show there is no life after death. I don't agree with him on this point. Uh, he is open to evidence, but he is right now a confirmed disbeliever in the, in, a, in an afterlife. So, again, you know, if this was Tony being manipulated, you'd have him saying quite the opposite. 
Yes, well, is Anthony Flew dismayed or distressed by the controversy that's surrounding the book? Well, he's no stranger to controversy. So, and, and I, so I was quite surprised. I mean, he, he, he said he, he is disappointed. I mean, he's disappointed that he was misrepresented. He definitely feels he was misrepresented in the New York Times article, for instance. Um, but, you know, he said, I'm used to, you know, way back since the 50s, you know, the, he's taken unpopular stance that I've invited controversy. So he's not, he's not upset in the sense uh, that, you know, uh, someone's attacking him. But it is, I feel it, you know, to malign, malign him, uh, either uh, him or those associated with him, that's not an argument, but that's what these people have stooped to, as well as um, his mental capabilities. Well, as soon as you can't argue with him, then you question his mental capabilities. Now, he's shown in numerous other publications, numerous interviews, live interviews, that he ha- there is no problem with his mental faculties. He can't, may not remember a thing or two. But that's you know some, that that's a phenomenon that is uh, uh, that people after the age of forty start getting. But that has that has no bearing on your reasoning capabilities. Yes, you know I really admire the courage of uh, Anthony Flew. You know a man who wrote some what thirty major works uh, defending atheism, and then suddenly to uh, state he believes there is a God now is tremendously a courageous stance. And in your book, you point out that his philosophy has always been you follow the evidence to wherever it may lead. And it took a lot of integrity and honesty, but a lot of courage to do that. Well, and, and this is for flu. He's lived this out, this dictum of, 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 of following the evidence where it leads or the argument where it leads. He was a Marxist once. By the way, not many people know that. He changed his mind on that. So he announced that much to the dismay of the Marxists. He also was a determinist at one time. Um, he believed all of our actions are determined by external causes. Mm-hmm. He now believes in free will. This, all these happened. Of course, there was no uh, major um, uh, you know, controversy. Over, well, there was controversy, but it was not a public controversy of this kind uh, because it wasn't as sensitive an issue as the existence of God. But when it came to God, I mean, he for him, it was a merely philosophical um, discovery that he then announced. Yeah, but for a lot of other people, there, was, there were emotional and other kinds of considerations at work. And so they did not treat it on its own terms of being uh, you know, a philosophical discussion, which he was perfectly engaged. He was introduced to a level of discussion, which is you know, quite... Um, uh, he was not used to this kind of discussion. Let's say in the academic world, you had debates, you had mm-hmm. articles back and forth, you know, arguing. But here you have lampooning, caricatures, uh, abuse. You know, it's it is uh, it's that tells you who is intolerant here. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Now, some critics have said that the arguments in the book are standard ID or intelligent design arguments, such as fine-tuning, that have already been refuted. Well, what do you think of these critiques? Well, I mean, that again, this part of the, um, you know, people don't argue anymore. They just throw uh, abuse at you. Um, in this particular instance, well, the certainly the anthropic principle had a great, the fine-tuning uh, um, argument certainly was... Um, Quite influential with them, but what uh, to to say it's an ID argument isn't really it's not an argument in itself. It's just an assertion. Now the main point is when you when you see all of the factors that made the arrival and survival of life possible. You know the, all the incredible mm-hmm. array of uh, factors. You know it's now not even the atheists say it's a matter of chance. It's so implausible for saying that. 
what they say is, oh, there was a multiplicity of universes. End of discussion. You know, so, and just in one universe happened to be lucky. As if, and there's not a shred of evidence in favor of any of this. No, there isn't. And, and yet, they, so, he, and, and Flew's response to the multiverse is, well, how did that get to be there, you know, with its own properties? But beyond that, he is addressing it, it, it goes beyond the current discussion, whether ID or evolution, et cetera, in that he's approaching this on a philosophical level. He is saying his, his focus is on the origin of life, on the origin of purpose-driven and directed beings in a universe of matter. How is that possible? Mindless matter. How could that have And not only are this purpose-driven, but they are also capable of replication. You know, that on uh, philosophically, ontologically, it, it's not possible. That's his argument, and that's, you know, and none of them have addressed this argument. The uh, atheist Richard Carrier alleges that Flu kept changing the reasons for his acceptance of God. What are your comments on this? As did Carrier, but <laughs> on his, <laughs> on, kept oh. changing. But here's the thing: I mean, Carrier has been how you know has been really, I think, misrepresenting many of Flu's positions. But what he fails to say, refer to, is Flu's initial review of Conway's book in 2001, publicly available, where he uses this argument of philosophical grounds for affirming that the origin of life cannot be um, uh, cannot be explained on a materialistic basis. Okay, so he said that in 2001. Well, he did say in 2004 that the complexity of uh, the bio, on a biological level also makes it in, unlikely that you can't explain it other than to a creator. Now, then Carrier sent him a bunch of material um, on how abiogenesis, you know, current work, give some grounds for thinking maybe you can do it on a natural level. None of that is evidence, of course. But Flu said, okay, well, I've got to read those. He, he didn't, but, uh, he didn't um, use that argument for a while, but he said, I still believe in, I, mean, I still believe in God. So Carrier said, why, you know, that's inconsistent. You said it's because of the biological arguments that you, you came to God's existence. Now you don't accept those biological arguments. How can you believe in God? But what he, but that was because he didn't understand Flew's initial uh, grounds, which were philosophical and remain philosophical in the book, which is on the question of purpose-driven and directed beings. But also, he is now is very strong on the find that the biological complexity is also a strong uh, reason for his believing in the need for a creator, because as he put it, you know, when Einstein, for Einstein, the integrated complexity of the physical universe was sufficient grounds for postulating um, an intelligent mind behind it. Well, if that's the case, the far greater complexity of the biological universe, the living universe, uh, gives you all the more reason to affirm a creative mind. You know, Sam Harris and others represent what's called the new atheists. Uh, You mentioned them in your book as well. Tell us about these new atheists. What makes them new the ones I mentioned are uh, Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris, Lewis Wolpert, Victor Stenger, those kinds of guys. I mean, Daniel Dennett. And to me, what's inexplicable about the new atheists is they really don't try to argue for atheism. Okay, yes, Dawkins does do that to some extent in his God delusion, but the others really have very little on God's existence. But what I find mystifying um, about these uh, books is that they do not un- address for me the fundamental issues which show God's existence. Now, Flew and I have a different approach on these things. I do, in my appendix, I deal with my approach on, on God's existence. And these are the origin of consciousness, the origin of conceptual thought, which is language, 
the origin of the self. Now, uh, Daniel Dennett even said, and he's the only one who's talked a lot about consciousness, he said, how did consciousness arise? Well, his statement was, and then a miracle happened. Dawkins admits, we have no idea how consciousness came to be. Now, that's not a minor thing. If we have a marble table and, and you say, okay, the marble table given, uh, say, 10 billion years, uh, would suddenly become conscious, aware of its surroundings, suddenly start thinking, suddenly have a first-person perspective, you know that that's not possible, given infinite time. You know, it, uh, this is just, uh, uh, so, you know, the existence of consciousness, the exist- the, that we are conscious, we are aware, you know, the, a rock can't do that. Mm-hmm. How did that come to be, that capability? Then you go to the next level, language, understanding. You know, you and I, we are talking right now, the symbols we're using, we're decoding, encoding, all of that. Where does this happen? It's not the brain. The brain, there are neurons firing, but there is something else happening here. Understanding is not done by an organ in the brain. And then there's the human self. It's not in any part of the body. It's a unity you have all through your life. Where is it? How did it come to be? These things point, in my view, to the existence of uh, an infinite mind that brought all of these into existence. And there is no other way to explain these. Now, the new atheists... I have not even touched these issues. I, in my in my appendix, I do a critique of them on these grounds. No one has really responded to that. Um, Carrier did make some statement that uh, there's a hateful calumny by Varghese on the, on on the new atheists. There doesn't address my arguments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just describes mm-hmm. it as in, in terms which uh, may you know cause an emotional reaction. But these are my arguments. I challenge any of these folks to give an explanation for consciousness. They don't even address it. Um, I have to say Sam Harris does accept the fact that it's a mystery, that consciousness is here and cannot be, you know, pushed under the carpet. But, you know, language, con- conceptual thought, none of these things can be explained with a, within a physicalist worldview. And they have just chosen to ignore it. So the new atheism is distinctive for not addressing questions regarding um, what drives us to God's existence. I just think it's interesting that the so-called new atheism is it seems to be growing. The media branded this as a movement, but it does seem to be backed up by statistics as far as uh, more people claiming to be unbelievers and everything. And certainly the best-selling status of some of these atheist books indicates an interest but at at the same time that all of this is going on, the world's most notorious atheist is no longer an atheist. So it makes for an interesting mix. Yeah, you're right. The new atheists are all the rage, but their interest in evidence is minimal, if any. I mean, they're great at throwing bombs at fundamentalists and all of the, you know, and talking about all of the excesses of organized religion. Question of evidence, what evidence is there for any of these assertions of any of the religions or of God's existence? That's hardly treated in the books. It's easy to point out the excesses of, of people who believe in God. Uh, everybody has done things they're embarrassed about. But that's not the same as having an intellectual discussion. And here, when Tony Flew tries to give his uh, reason for believing in God, he's shouted down, he's, he's abused, insulted. All those around him who are, you know, who are in any way involved with him, I, you know, Jerry Schroeder is a, is a scientist from Israel I've been involved with. The New York Times um, caricatured him, and I told Jerry, I'm really sorry for getting you involved in this. And he said, don't even mention it. Ever since I started writing on this, this I'm used to it. So these guys don't argue anymore. They just abuse. So this is not rational. I mean, this is some kind of a adolescent uh, fashion. 
Yeah, it really is. And they should, if they are consistent, the, the so-called new atheist, they should applaud Anthony Flew to the extent of saying, well, Anthony Flew did exactly what he's been telling us to do all along, and that is follow the evidence. Well, good for him. This is his conclusion based on recent research and some things he's been thinking about for a long time. That's not what we find. What we find instead is incredible damage control. What we find instead is suddenly personal attacks, suddenly nasty that would make any political ad out there in the presidential run look like Walt Disney. Just uh, terrible things are being said, exactly what you said. Why all the damage control? Well, I mean... They have all the earmarks of dogmatism, intolerance, fanaticism, all of the very things they accuse religious people of being. They ought to be this called is, fundamentalist atheist, yes. not new atheist. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as someone said, the old atheists were whole, a whole lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Roy, you have sponsored several conferences on science and religion for close to two decades. Where do you see the future of this debate going from your perspective? Well, as Kevin was saying, now I mean it's it's sad, but it's now become uh, it's now just become an in- game of insults back and forth. There is no intellectual discussion. It's ID versus you know evolutionists and all these guys. I mean, the, if if you express any view which points to uh, the obvious intelligence in the universe, you are oh you're just an ID. There, there's no attempt to. Uh, it's religion, to, to, no yeah, longer religion. science. You know, there's no attempt to argue, to discuss. And the intelligence is obvious. Every step in modern science is pointing to, you know, ever deeper levels of intelligence. And this was the testimony of Einstein and Heisenberg, etc. But it continues to be the case today. In life, the more you study it, the more obvious it becomes. But on a philosophical level, too. I mean, there have been monumental changes in the world of Anglo-American philosophy where you have... So many great thinkers, Alvin Planning, of course, you know, but so many others have turned towards God and Christianity and so on. And, you know, that's totally unknown in the general public. Uh, and the new atheists, well, I, I remember that uh, Plantinger wrote a, a review of Dawkins' book. He said, you know, he wouldn't pass a 101 philosophy, my 101 philosophy class. Well, in our closing minutes here, let me ask you this question. What is Anthony Flew's view of Christianity? Well, he's as I've said before, he does. He is a deist and 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 doesn't accept divine revelation intervention. However, he is very open to the possibility of divine revelation. He is very respectful of Christianity, and also he has recently read N.T. Wright's arguments on the resurrection, on the on the historicity of Christ, the divinity of Christ, etc. And he said, um, and Flew has said on the record that this is the most powerful case he's he's seen for Christian theism. Yes, the book ends with N.T. Wright's argument for the resurrection. I think that that indicates that uh, Dr. Flew at least is saying the Christian concept of God, or Christian theism, is the best candidate for God aside from his own deism. He said that, yes. Yeah, so he certainly hasn't gravitated toward Islam or Hinduism or Buddhism or or, or anything like that. Uh, So it's almost like uh, the next step, by the grace of God, Dr. Flew would be his step to Christ. Yeah, I think his his one concern is with the <laughs> the doctrine of hell, and so you know we've had many a discussion on that, and you know free will leads to the possible all kinds of possibilities, mm-hmm. and so that's the main thing. But he is very open. Yes, this has been a fascinating interview with Roy Varghese, the co-author with Anthony Flew on the book "There Is a God: How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind." It's a fantastic book. You're going to want to pick it up. 
If you have an atheist, a hardcore atheist, or someone close to the possibility that God exists, this is a great book to give. It's well written and it's a quick read. So, Roy, thanks for being on the show. Pat, it's a great honor and I appreciate everything you're doing. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. There's a new feature on our website called iShows, where you can download each individual show for just 250 on our website, evidenceandanswers.org. Just like you download a song on iTunes, these are iShows that you can download each individual show you want. And we've got some of the top scholars on there. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. This has been Kevin Harris. Thank you so much for listening. And be sure and visit us online at evidenceandanswers.org.